Well, Shabbat Shalom. I think I'll have to use this. Thank you, Gary. It's always beautiful when you when you play in the whole worship team this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, welcome back to uh, to the Riveras after being in France and Israel. It's nice to have you guys back with us and look forward to hearing about your trip. So a couple weeks ago, we had a meeting, and in our meeting, there were a couple things that kind of came out that I want to clarify. One, and I've mentioned this many times, but I'm only part-time here at the synagogue. So I, all of you know that I'm also, or if you don't, um, welcome. It's, I'm glad today is your first day. Is I'm a super avid cyclist, and I ride on my days off. And sometimes even then, I still come in afterwards, even though it's technically my day off, just to still get work done because there's a lot of things I have to do, whether or not I fully get paid for it. So I just wanted to mention that, that everybody, you know, that, uh, you know, if you want me to work more, I'm happy to do so, but that requires something on your side <laughs> to make that happen. Our Torah portion this week is the final parasha in the book of Leviticus. And it begins by immediately placing a decision in front of all of us. It says, If you live by my regulations, observe my mitzvot and obey them, then I will provide the rain you need in its season, the land you will yield its produce, and the trees in the field will yield their fruit. I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so that you would not be their slaves. I've broken the bars of your yoke so that you can walk upright. It then goes on to state in verse 14, but if you will not listen to, my, to me and obey all these mitzvot, if you loathe my regulations and reject my rulings in order not to obey all of my mitzvot, but cancel my covenant, then I, for my part, will also do this unto you. The parasha then goes on to list all the atrocities that will befall the Jewish people if we willfully choose to abandon, to abandon God's path. At the very outset, we are faced with a choice, a blessing, a path of blessing or in one direction or a path of a curse in another. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of, the, of Great Britain, astutely notes the most important decision that we can make in life is to choose where we want eventually to be. Without a sense of destiny and destination, our lives will be directionless. If we don't know where we want to go, we will never get there no matter how fast we travel. How many of you use GPS navigation? Like pretty much every single, almost every single person nowadays. Or maybe even the Israeli designed ways, right? <laughs> all of us know GPS navigation, and nowadays, all of us use it in order to get where we need to go. But don't rely on it too much, because <laughs> sometimes it can be wrong. <laughs> but as Rav Sachs emphasizes, it can tell you how to get there, but it cannot tell you where to go. This is something you must decide. When you open up that GPS app, you have to tell it where you're going, and then it can give you the directions of getting there. But it can't just be, hey, GPS, send me somewhere. 
Do not compute, right? <laughs> Try again. All of us find moments in our lives when we stand at a crossroads and we have to make a decision. Sometimes those decisions are clear, like in this week's Torah portion, between a life of blessing and a life of a curse. But at other times, those decisions and their ramifications and consequences are much more subtle. How many of you love ice cream? <laughs> I think I'm a big fan of ice cream. In fact, I've even developed a long-lasting relationship with those two Jewish guys from Vermont. Maybe no, some of you know them, Ben and Jerry. Uh, after also moving to the Agora area, we found also a, another favorite place called Tifa, which is either across the freeway or there's one in, in Westlake Village. These are, you know, very frequent places that we have made homes, <laughs> additional homes at. Whenever I enter an ice cream store, I know I'm about to be bombarded with all kinds of decisions. What flavor do I want? Do I want the same thing as last time or do I want something different? By the way, I tend to usually go with the same thing all the time. <laughs> should I go with the cone or should I go with the bowl? And if I go with the cone, do I go with the classic cone or the waffle cone? Or another one of my regular go-tos, the sugar cone. All of these decisions. And often the most difficult decision is just making that first one, which flavor, right? I, if you, if you, once you finally decide that one, the other ones are just like, oh, I'll go with the cone, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do that. Yeah, maybe three scoops. <laughs> I realize that going into an ice cream shop is not exactly we are not exactly faced with the same kind of weight of decisions as we do in other areas of our life. But actually, the principles are the same. In reality, in making that first decision, we have two initial options. Our first option is to let all of the overwhelming decisions paralyze us and choose not to make a decision, which ironically is a decision. A decision to do nothing is a decision. Or our second option is to make a decision between multiple options. Often the best course to follow is the one made with the clarity of vision. As Rob Sachs reminds us, we'll never get there if we don't know where we're going. We might not always know how to get there or which decisions will best get us there, but if we know where we want to end up, then we will be certain we'll have a certain amount of clarity in making the in-between decisions. If I want to go to Jerusalem and buy a house, my first decision is not necessarily to get on a Greyhound to Seattle. Unless that's where my flight is leaving from, right? We might not always know how to get someplace, but if we know our ultimate destination, then it helps us then figure out the way in order to achieve ultimately that destination, even if we get lost, even if we get turned around. If we know where we're going, eventually we'll find it. But there are also other kinds of decisions. There are the obvious decisions, as I mentioned earlier. Honestly, I think most of our decisions in life fall into this category. I don't need to pray about whether or not God wants me to pay my electric bill <laughs> or whether or not he wants me to go to work every day. The consequences of, the, of those decisions are entirely clear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek God in generally in your life, but if you're really pleading on God, God, should I pay this electric bill? <laughs> I think God gives a, cer a certain amount of wisdom 
and natural consequences to know what to do or what not to do. Sure, you can choose not to go to work and feel like, God, I feel God doesn't want me to work anymore. Mazel tov. But who's going <laughs> to, like, where are you going to be living, right? God often requires of us to do our part so that God can do God's part. However, sometimes we stand at a crossroads and multiple decisions could still be the one that God could bless. These are the much more difficult ones. And these are not so obvious. And often I think God intentionally leaves that decision up to us as a test. God is not looking for robots to control or constantly tell us what to do. Instead, God gives us guidance in how to make those decisions through the biblical text, through guidance from spiritual leaders and mentors, and through community, friends, and family. By approaching difficult decisions from these three different fronts, we can usually have a better sense of what the right decision really is. But I want to return to the notion of making decisions based on a clarity of vision. In Proverbs 29, 18, which we've all heard many times, where there is a lack of vision, the people perish. Often we just keep trekking through life, not seeing fruit because we just keep living paycheck to paycheck, if you will. We have no vision for where we're going and often just sort of wander around a map. We often just keep going through the motions day after day, year after year. We keep living in the same house, staying at the same job or attending the same congregation not because it is actually our vision. If that's your vision, that's wonderful. But often, it's because we don't actually have any vision. We don't have a vision for anything else. If you want to get somewhere, then you have to have a vision for where you want to go. A couple weeks ago, we had an important discussion about who we are and where we're going. And I know that it wasn't an easy discussion. But if we don't have the discussion, then we don't know where we're going or how we're going to get there. And often the most healing and healthy discussions are the ones that people are honest and they're painful, right? All of us know that discussion that you don't want to have, right? <laughs> but once you have it, you know that it's what it does. It begins the path of healing or whatever needs to be done in order to get through it. I know a few of us would rather we just never change anything or engage in any kind of difficult discussions. But then we're just sweeping things under the rug, and again, we're making a decision. We're making a decision to prolong the inevitable. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. It is a decision making based on vision. I returned to Beth Amunah because I believe God still has a vision and purpose for this place. That great things still lie ahead. But they will only lie ahead if we know where we're going. Where are we going? Are the questions that we're asking. And it's not easy because everybody wants to drive in a different direction sometimes. How are we going to get there? My wife hates it when I'm the, you know, the, the backseat driver. We both know we're going to get to Ralph's, and she has her way, and I'm trying to tell her how to go a different way, right? 
And most importantly, why are we going? These are the hardest questions to answer. And the more people that are on the bus, the more of us want to be drivers. <laughs> and some of us are even questioning why get there at all. So that is what we are going to be spending the next few months exploring together. And as difficult as that journey can be, I also believe an exciting adventure lies ahead and is worth exploring together. But only if we do it together. Sure, my job is to lead and guide, but I can get so far ahead that everybody just falls behind and is lost. Or we try to figure it out together. Through collective wisdom and discernment, not only where I feel God is leading us, but together that where we feel that God is leading us. Avinu Shabashamayim, our Father in heaven. You know that the reason why I came, and only you can judge my heart, is because I felt that you wanted us here. It wasn't even necessarily because we wanted to be here, although we're happy to be here. Because actually we were juggling multiple offers and it was like I was saying earlier, which way do you go? But I felt God was leading us back to Bethlehemunah. And it wasn't to close this place down, to be the guy who is the, the hospice counselor. Instead it was to see a new path and a new vision that light ahead that wasn't something new or out of the ordinary, but was rather built on the foundations of which this congregation was laid. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment as a community to sense your direction and your guidance, and that we would learn to listen and to trust one another, to collectively hear the vision that you have for Bethlehemunah, your path. And once we see the destination, that it will help us make the decisions on which turns in order to get there. We might get lost. Our car might break down sometimes. But when we're in it together, we'll be able to figure it out. We can push the car. We can fix the engine. Whatever we need to do, if we're in it together, we can make it happen. I pray for your ruach to bring healing, to bring guidance, to bring love, sense of mutual respect and, and trust. We pray for your healing, God, on this place so that we can be restored to live and to thrive and to make the kingdom of heaven a reality on this earth. We're still waiting for Mashiach, but our job is to prepare the world for Mashiach's arrival. So help us to do that, God. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.
Shabbat Shalom. Please rise for the Elenu. Alenu la shabbat la adon hakol la tet gedula leotzer breshit shelo asanu kegoye haaratzot velo samanu kemishpachot haadama shelo sam chelkenu kahem vegor alenu vekol hamonam. Vanachnu korim, umishtachavim, umodim, lefne melech, mache hamlachim, hakadosh baruchu. Therefore, God also highly exalted.